are listening to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Podcast. This is Priscilla McKinney, Mama Bird over at Little Bird Marketing. We're a boutique marketing firm specializing in premier branding and client management and all that good stuff. And I am about out of my mind. I'm so excited. I have with me a special guest today and I hope I will, you know, actually shut up a little bit today and get to hear more from this guest. So hello, Jeff Kanata. Hi there. How are you? Good. I am one of those kind of borderline frightening fans. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you're you're very sweet, and uh, I we just been talking a little bit before we started recording. I I I don't think that is a fair description of you at all. Oh, really? No, <laughs> so, you're, you're lovely. You're lovely. Oh, you know what? My my producer, when we talk, usually he'll start with, and the lovely and talented Priscilla McKinney. And I always think that the, the curtains should part and I should walk out or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's a good start to things. But um, I have to start by saying I love your podcast. This is how I got to know you and Anthony Carboni. I love what you all do. And I got to tell you a funny thing. I don't know how I stumbled on your podcast. Hmm. I've been talking with you for a while and I've been racking my brain thinking about, you know, I think it'd be interesting, you know, for me having a podcast, I would like to know how people get to me, what keywords yeah. they use to find me. And, you know, it's so funny about, I don't know, maybe it was about four episodes ago or something. You mentioned just like an intro statement. This is the podcast where we review technology in the news or you, I can't mm. remember exactly how you said it. How do you word it? Oh, I don't even know how we word it. We, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what I said, to be honest with you, but it's something along those lines. That sounds sounds right. What I thought, I, I heard that for the first time ever, I swear, I probably listened to 100 episodes, and I'm like, that's what they do? <laughs> <laughs> They're reviewing technology? I'm not even a technology person. How do I? How did I get on this podcast? And yet, it is absolutely my favorite podcast, and when I need to just decompress from my job and just get life a little lighter, I just turn on one of your episodes. So, Well, thanks. Yeah, cool. we, we think of it more as a comedy show than anything else. But yeah, I, I definitely talk about technology. We talk about science and philosophy and anthropology, but we do it through the lens of what it means to us. And, you know, we try to make, try to make jokes also. We do right. a lot of a lot of comedy sketches in the in the midst of it as well. Well, maybe that's why I like it. You know, I have a degree in cultural anthropology, so oh. maybe when you say science and other people think what I would think real science, I'm thinking cultural anthropology is so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we kind of deal with what the actual outcome of science means to our lives. So a lot of it is culturally anthropological, I guess you would say. Right. Yeah, well, and like I always say, it also is much more interesting at a cocktail party. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to have that conversation that you might overhear at a bar or at a cocktail party of, mm-hmm. of you know those interesting guys in the corner having that interesting conversation. That's right. kind of what we're hoping to convey. And everybody wants in, so. Yeah. Well, when I have guests on, I usually like to explore a little Venn diagram about us. And I don't know where I got into that. I think I do love Venn diagrams. But <laughs> um, I was trying to come up with what do you and... I have in common and what do we not have in common? So we're going to have to find some things here. We're going to have okay. to work, work with it. I am not an actor on Scandal. So <laughs> All right, so that's the outside the outside the overlap on the there, Venn diagram. There you go. That's okay. your that's your side. So <laughs> now I could ask you, have you actually sung uh Wind Beneath My Wings at a funeral? No. Okay. No, I have not. So there's See, another there's point my, of there's my side. That's my diverge. side over there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but we've both lived in, in Southern California. 
That's true. I'm currently living in Southern California, in fact. Yeah. So we have basically the general angst of the 405 to the 5 to the 55 <laughs> to the 22 kind of mentality. Yes. Mm-hmm. Were you doing here? Yeah, right. as the Sunday Night Live would say. Right. right, exactly. I get made fun of a lot about the Californians. I never knew that that skit was on until people started <laughs> making fun of me. And we only have one, which we call it Freeway, but everybody else here doesn't. They call it the Interstate. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I call it the 44. And yeah. everybody here like just is like, oh, the 44, huh? What is that? <laughs> that's how you know you're from Southern California is you put the in front of the the freeway. If you if you well, I grew up in Northern California where we uh-huh. just said get on 605, get on mm-hmm. the get on you know get on 90, get on 242. There's no the. Well, I'm in the Midwest, but actually, even though my company is over in Joplin, we actually live out in the country in Kansas. And they make fun of me, but I'm not joking. It's like I can barely find places when I first moved here like 12 years ago. They'd be like. Go down to Old Man Johnson's farm. Okay, now I now I just wait. I just made like a Prince reference right there. There you um, go, Raspberry Bray. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or they, you know, turn left at Stone's Corner. I'm sorry. What I mean, what is that? So they can make fun of me all they want, but you know, <laughs> they've got their own stuff. So I don't know what else we have in common, but I think our I think our divergence might be a little more interesting. Well, we yeah, I think that's probably true. We we both we both make podcasts. Yes, that's the one in the middle. Yeah. So I was thinking about it, and I really wanted to talk with you about creative process, technology process, just like kind of the, oh, I don't know, kind of unveil or, you know, a little bit of what it takes to make a podcast. I was thinking about that, and then I was wondering, gosh, do people really want to know that? Is that like akin to like making sausage, like stuff you don't want to know? (laughs) But I'm going to go for it anyway. I think it's interesting. I think my listeners will think it's interesting because you have such a successful podcast. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the process. So I'm just going to let you start kind of at the top. It's like what kind of let's start with like, uh, do you want to start with creative or technical process? What? what Either one. Yeah, either one. Okay, well, shoot, let's go with the creative process. How do you guys think it up? How do you go back and forth? And maybe talk a little bit about Anthony and your relationship with uh, Mr. Carboni. Sure. Uh, We both uh, started making our own shows, and they both those shows ended up on the same podcasting network way back in 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. um, when podcasting was relatively young. Uh, mm-hmm. And and we were both doing video podcasts at that point, which were even more new because uh, podcasts started out as an audio only medium. But um, we were creating video podcasts for a network called Revision Three, which was later purchased by Discovery Channel, mm-hmm. and. Um, we sort of were in the mutual admiration society when we were doing our shows. He was doing a show called uh, Bite Jacker, and I was doing a show called The Totally Rad Show. And we, he was in San Francisco, and I was based down here in Los Angeles. And so we weren't really in the same physical place very often, but we were in the same virtual space a whole lot. And so knew of each other and were fans of each other and saw each other at, at various conventions and things, video game conventions, mostly uh, both of those shows had a lot to do with uh, geek culture and video mm-hmm. games and stuff like that. So... Um, you know, we both we both liked each other from afar and wanted to work together. And uh, cut to many years later, when mm, his show by Jacker was gone, he had gone on to other things at Revision Three and was doing Rev Three Games and was doing uh, a D News show, which was all about science and and stuff like that on Revision Three. And Totally Rad Show has, had ended, and I would moved on to other shows uh, and things that that I was doing stuff at CNET, stuff on the G Four Channel, and all kinds of other things. 
And um, eventually, at a certain point, he decided to move down to Los Angeles and left Revision 3. And when I heard that he was moving down here, I reached out to him and we met up down here and were talking about things and projects we might want to do. And we we moved to quite naturally to the video game arena because that's what we were both known for. Right. I, w- I was doing a show at that time and I'm still doing a show called DLC on the 5x5 network all about video games. Mm-hmm. And um, so we talked, you know, maybe we should do a, a review show about video games, but it had been something that we had already done. Right. And it was something we were known for and people might expect from us. But as we started talking more and more, we both realized that we had uh, a real love of comedy and, and both had performed improv comedy and done a lot of written comedy ourselves. And really that's more what we wanted to do was instead of talking about the things that other people create, we wanted to create something of our own. Instead of doing review shows about other people's stuff to, to make a show that was really more uh, our own creation... Well, you said, you said improv, and I gotta say, you get that feeling. You guys really have not only good chemistry, but really good timing. It's obvious that you both understand that improv- improvisational comedy because you, you know you nail it. And I remember the first time I was listening to it, and all of a sudden, one of you broke off into a, a person, mm-hmm. you know, and all of a sudden, and I totally followed it, and I thought, oh my gosh, how genius is that? Like it, it didn't even hurt my head that you <laughs> went there, you know, and you just all of a sudden you're both in character. And oh, good. you know that is so fun that 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 timing of it really makes it makes a lot of sense and it makes the show work. I think you oh, know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of came naturally. We we were talking about what we wanted to do and we had been both worked worked in video, uh, so we thought about doing a video show. And then as as we talked more and more about what we wanted to do and make the show more about a comedic take on things, we realized that we didn't really have the money or means to create the situations and the comedic moments that we would want to do on video, but we could do it in the theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. So it, we settled on doing an audio show and uh, being able to jump into all these wacky, weird situations and create them in your head with mm-hmm. you know audio only uh, seemed like a way to have an infinite budget for no budget at all. Well, I'd like to go back to the beginning of this podcast, and instead of being like the freakish fan, can I belong to that mutual admiration club? (laughs) Sure, yes. I like it. That sounds a lot better, (laughs) now that you put it that way. So, well, how how do you, I know that, you know, at this point, you know, there's so many fans that you get things sent in, and that's really where you start your subject matter and how you start reviewing things and, you know, Mm -hmm. come up with, you know, you guys really, at least it seems in, in, you know, to the listener that you're just ad-libbing. Um, you That's because we are. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I love it. Um, and that, you know, you say it kind of happened naturally. It would have to. I mean, you can't force that with someone, that kind of chemistry or that kind of timing. That, that Yeah, we, we just learned that to be the case. Basically what happened was we were talking a lot about the kinds of show we wanted to do, and then mm-hmm. we decided to just record some. And we did mm-hmm. three test episodes and the test episodes are very similar to what the final show is now. It And it really happened organically. We turned it on. We started talking about something that we both found interesting. I had just written uh, – written. I wish I'd written. I just read uh, – I had just read an article uh, about the Fermi paradox, which is a really fascinating subject to me. Uh-huh. And so I was itching to talk about it with somebody. And Anthony is a very smart guy who's very well read on, on science. And so I wanted to talk to him about it. And so we just turned the recorder on. And in the course of our talking about it – we just sort of started making fun of our reaction to it and sort of the, what it might mean, you know, for us. And then 
jumped into these characters and that sort of all just happened. Uh, and then that became a, a blueprint for what we did going forward, and now it has solidified into really the structure of the show, which we both really like. Yeah. Well, but how did you, you know, like, so that's, you know, you picked subjects at the beginning that you both had in common, but then, like, when did it organically happen where you just had other people handing you things, and to what degree do you think you were willing to take, you know, subject matter from other people, and what was that process? Because here you you guys are choosing you know, mm-hmm. the subject matter, but then now your show has morphed into, you know, people really get your shtick enough that they're right. sending you stuff that is actually really good fodder. Yeah, no, we, we that was intentional. We set up uh, an email address and then the first few episodes started re- actively asking the audience to send in any uh, stories they might be interested in us discussing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from past experience on other shows, we've found that crowdsourcing content on a show is great. Mm-hmm. It it reduces the workload, which right. is great. We don't have to find our own stories. Often people find way better stuff than we would find ourselves because mm-hmm. you have, you know, the power of, of much more minds working on the same problem than just two. And uh and it also makes people feel more invested in the show because they have an actual control over what we talk about. So it's a win-win-win and and we love it. I, I'm so glad that the fact that we have an audience that's willing to to scour the net for interesting stories and send them to us. And we, right. we find a great stuff. It kind of makes that. you wonder if your listeners are employed. Because <laughs> they <laughs> come up say, with Don't good give them any stuff. ideas. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> oh, they come up with great stuff. I mean, these <laughs> stories are really fantastic. But, you know, I, I reviewed one. Probably my favorite show in, in my podcast is where I reviewed an old press release. Um, and it was about, uh, literally, this is uh, China questions. No, no, sorry. What was it? somebody is questioning China's central authority, uh, Hmm. like the TV station. And so I'm going to send it to you. It's a really old one, but it has so much fodder. You guys would probably, you know, kill it. It, There's so much stuff there. And one of the other recent ones I did was reviewing, um, it was, again, an old story, but it just kept, like, hanging out in my psyche. And finally, I just had to talk about it. Um, the, do you remember when that uh, sign language interpreter was a fraud for oh, yeah. Nelson Mandela's memorial service? Pretty amazing that that guy could have insinuated himself into that situation oh so gosh. thoroughly. The audacity was crazy. But I, lo- I love that. Just kind of like, here's a great subject. Here are two friends talking about it. And, hey, go. Where, where do we go with that? So Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit technically. You said, you know, you guys didn't have the money or means to do like the show. And you think about like graphics and TV and video, you know, these kinds of things. Those are really expensive. And they, you know, I know I I own a, you know, a full service, you know, ad agency. So we're making commercials, making promotional videos. I mean, these things get expensive. Um, That's true. So podcasts are dirt cheap. (laughs) <laughs> they are, yes. Well, you know, easily you buy some some audio equipment and you can create stuff that sounds pretty good, uh, pretty inexpensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, video is video is more expensive and really more more than just the equipment costs for video. It's employing someone to run a camera, employing someone to edit. Uh, it, it, we didn't have the ability to do that uh, on on the scale that we wanted to. So we decided to start start with audio and you know I make other podcasts and I I love the medium, right. uh, but we very much we're conscious of the fact that uh, we wanted our show to have a little bit different footprint than any of the other shows that I do or Anthony has done uh, or really a lot, most of the stuff that you'll find on iTunes or, mm-hmm. or in the podcasting world. Our show is only 20 minutes long and yeah. it's three times a week. So we, we set out to make it a, a little, feel a little differently, but, but still, um, you know, still be 
uh, theater of the mind audio kind of radio play show. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three times a week. Tell me, how do you do that? Well, we we bulk record. Um, we we meet up once once a week, and we record all the shows for that week uh, at a time. So um, we're not meeting three times a week, but mm-hmm. um, we find I, I think it's much a much more palatable thing to have this bite-sized 20-minute one-topic episode mm-hmm. uh, because basically we're asking people to, you know, have a laugh and think about an issue with us for a shorter period of time. Maybe it's perfect for your, you know, for your commute or for just washing dishes or whatever it is. It's not, you know, most of these other podcasts are an hour, two hours, three hours sometimes, which is a lot to ask people every week. And we figure if you want if you want the longer hour long weekly show, listen to three of them at once. Right, <laughs> keep going, or yeah. you know, commute somewhere like in L.A. and then you can listen <laughs> there you to go. three of them. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> While you're going from the four hundred five to the five, you can listen Indeed. to them. So, well, you know, one thing that's kind of technical and kind of creative. I really love your naming convention. So, tell me a little bit about how <laughs> you guys come up with these fantastic. Names were, I mean, literally, I'll go down and and look at them. And you guys are very prolific. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm okay. I'm 30 episodes behind. Oh, I'm 20 episodes. You know, (laughs) you're just like, oh, I can't keep up, Um, which is great because they are a small little snippet. You go on a trip and like, you know, you get to listen to several at once. And but I am reading the titles and just, you know, as as a creative director, as a creative agency owner, I'm just thinking, who are these geniuses writing these titles? <laughs> you know? Well, I love that. I'm going to have to tell Anthony because I make all the titles. You do. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah. And it's just, just my own love of puns. Uh, he gets very frustrated with me and, mm-hmm. and my my uh, love of puns. But uh, I, I took on the, you know, we, we each have our roles, uh, mm-hmm. our division of labor as such as it is. And my division of labor is that I write up the show descriptions and I do the show titles. And I, I take a lot of uh, pride in them. I enjoy coming up with uh, little turns of phrase that can be used uh, on the show titles. So thank you. I'm so pleased. You're the first person I've heard that really loves them. So really? I'm, I'm well, very pleased by that. Well played, Jeff Kanata. Well played. Thank you. <laughs> well, so that you know brings me to another question. What the hell does Anthony Carboni do then? Because every time I've talked <laughs> with you, you're the one always writing me back and you know on the podcast. So you know I say that jokingly, but I would like to know the division of labor. What does oh, Mr. He does Carboni quite a lot. do? <laughs> he, he, so. he built our website. He uh-huh. uh, he, um, he, his house is where we record. He has all the audio equipment. He uploads the the shows to our editor. He he does a lot. He does an uh, an awful lot. But uh, it's most he's he's much more the uh, producer technical side kind of mind, mm-hmm. and I'm much more the communications. Uh, you know, creative sort of uh, creative writing side. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and he does give you a, a pretty hard time about your dad joke. So, you know, yes, yes, he does. So that's part of part of his job description. So, <laughs> so do you guys you stay in those roles all the time? Then with the division of labor, this is just kind of how it works. How you can get this done on top of many other roles that you're doing. Yeah, and and we're both uh, there for each other as far as um, uh, making way for other projects in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I need to go out of town or need to be involved in some other thing, I was doing a play earlier this year, and Anthony, you know, did all the episode uh, descriptions for me during that period of time. And mm-hmm. he's up, you know, he's planning a wedding. He's getting married in a couple of months, um, so he's up in San Francisco this week mm-hmm. doing that. So you know, I've I've taken up some of the slack on his end too. So uh, you know, we're we're very much understanding about uh, the fact that the 
other parts of our lives need to be accounted for as well. So right, okay. Well, don't he won't listen to this anyway, so don't tell him I said that. <laughs> but <laughs> it is a might. lot. You guys, you guys are on Patreon, and I want to give you a minute to talk a little bit about that. But subreddit, Twitter. I mean, like you know, your website. Just you're on a lot of places, and it does make me question how do you manage that? And because this is a podcast, marketing podcast about podcasting, kind of you know, was there a a natural progression? of, you know, how you got on and which which uh, platforms you chose and why? We put a lot of thought into that. Mm-hmm. And um, we were both in the fortunate position of having had enough of a, uh, enough experience, enough um, of a history with putting st- stuff out online that if we had decided that we wanted to get our show, our new show onto a network, we probably could have done that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we have an audience, we have... Uh, and we've done that. We have. I have shows on other networks, and well, it's wait, 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 that- wait, wait, wait. You have an audience. I mean, you guys have twenty thousand plus listeners. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're you know we're uh, we're doing pretty well, and and uh, the show continues to grow, and we're very happy about that. And and you know, he and I have had an audience before we made the show. So right, we're, we're in that fortunate position that if we had wanted the show to be on a network, we probably could have made that happen. But we talked a lot about that. And you know, if you're on a on a network, you have traditional sponsorships, and that's how the shows get monetized. And mm-hmm. um, we both had done that for years, and I continue to do it on other shows. Mm-hmm. And it's a very viable method, and one that has its positives and its negatives. But one of its negatives is that internet sponsorship tends to be uh, ill suited for a 20 minute show. And they tend to be much longer. They require messaging that is much, much longer than you would want to hear in a 20 minute show. So we decided if we're going to make this a 20 minute, three times a week show, let's do it in a way that we don't have to have, uh, we don't have to be talking about, um, the sponsors that you hear a thousand, you know, Netflix and, right. and all these sponsors that you hear a thousand times on, on you know stamps.com and everything right um <laughs> let's, let's do i think that was funny it's just, <laughs> it's just... No, nothing wrong with those things but they all you know they sponsor a lot of podcasts and, right. and that's great we love that because podcasts get to be made because of it but there is this wonderful new thing called patreon and we had some some dear friends who had found a lot of success that way tom Merritt, brian brushwood these guys making uh, really interesting shows and using Patreon as a way to monetize those shows, uh, they recommended it. They have a direct one-to-one relationship with their audience. And so we said, let's do it. Let's give it a shot and see if it works. Well, it's like so, you feel like you're living, you know, during the Renaissance in, in Italy and you get a patron in the arts. I mean, that's how, right. you know, it's like, it feels so ooh-la-la. It's like you get to pick, <laughs> what do I want made? What do yeah. I, you know, what do I want to listen to and I think that's interesting in our society you know people think of the arts and it's like um you know you know first people go to paintings and you know and probably you know theater and things like that but really the idea of this small little snippets could you patron something that is just adds to your life in a very small way you know I I mean my own personal collection is never going to be on loan you know to the Nelson Atkins in you know Kansas City you know Mm -hmm. I can't patron the arts like that but what can I do and I love this Patreon, you know, uh, model because it's, you know, such a let the people speak. What do they want, you know, to be made? And you can get, you know, really, um, what do you call it? Like encouraged or you can get, uh, um, you know, the kind of support that you need to make the, the art that you want. And, and, and if people want to hear it, then great. They'll yeah. laugh it up, you know. 
No, I love I love the way you articulated that. I think it's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, what do you want made? You can and from a creator's point of view, it's even better because you have a one-to-one relationship with your audience. We very much one of the big reasons we chose Patreon is because we wanted to be able to say whatever we want. We wanted to be able to make fun of whatever we want to make fun of. And if that includes somebody that was a potential sponsor, right. then we want to be able to do that. And the idea that this quirky little show that we didn't even we weren't sure was going to work at all mm-hmm. uh, can garner an audience, can get people so excited about it that they're willing to to give their dollars to to make sure it continues is so encouraging and so incredibly wonderful. Uh, and it's not a lot, you know. People can give. We have people giving twenty five cents a month. We have people, you know. We we were we ask for about three bucks a month, um, and so many people have stepped up and and given us more than that and less than that. And it's just a wonderful way to show support. And as you said, from that perspective, to say I am the reason this thing is made. It's okay. made for me. Right. And it is. It really is. And it's that intimacy. You feel like you're a part of it. And yeah. uh, that, you know, that resonates with me. Like even our name, Little Bird Marketing, that's where it came from. We want to work with brands who want an intimate relationship with their with their clients. You know, this idea of, you know, when you're really in the loop and you're in the know about things, the first thing you usually say is a little bird told me, blah, blah, blah. And that idea is like, if you can get, you know, one-on-one with your audience like that and your clients, you develop something that's very special about your brand. And I think you guys have really cultivated that. And I I think that, you know, that will constantly grow. We have concerns, but I like what you said before, you guys had an audience coming into this. So yeah, we're fortunate that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that trajectory? Let's go back a little bit. What was the trajectory from zero you know, fans to 20,000. I know you, you mentioned the shows and things like that, but were there mm-hmm. key, like, we were talking a little bit more technical, were there key things like, was there one thing that you finally did, either a thing you did, or was there like a time, like how long you were out there, where it really you felt like it was a turning point that you could, you know, that you really had found an audience? Well, I mean, we were both very fortunate to be there at the sort of beginning of of podcasting Mm -hmm. and uh you know i i garnered an audience by being on a show called the totally rad show and Mm -hmm. the three hosts of that show uh i uh, of the three hosts of that show i was the newest face there were two other guys who had already been doing shows for a little while and i was very fortunate to uh be put on a network when there weren't any there wasn't there wasn't youtube there wasn't a network for that kind of stuff yet oh my god don't Uh, tell my daughter there was a time when there wasn't youtube (laughs) it sounds like the dark ages but it was like 2005 you know it was you know it's not yeah well i was just telling someone else i uh, you know 2007 is when we got iphones for crying out loud yeah so yeah we were already doing our show at that point we were you know we were doing i was doing the totally rad show in 2007 and and so when people say, well, how, how, did, you know, how can I do what you did? Unfortunately, I go, well, you're going to have to be at the right place at the right time, which we already were and it already was and you're not. Right. Um, there are other ways to accomplish that, but it's just not the way I did it. The way I did it was that I got very, very lucky mm-hmm. and um, we happened to put out a show that I'm very proud of and I think people really liked at that time and we garnered an audience and then we've, we've cultivated that audience and continued to, um, you know, continued to talk to that audience and they've mm-hmm. followed me from project to project, which I'm very, very grateful for. Well, so, and, and, it's nice. It's really nice that you're super modest, but I got to say, I mean, yeah, I get that, you know, we all feel like there's points in our career that we got lucky that we m- met someone or connected with someone. But the other thing is you guys turn out great content, you know, and there's there's oh, a lot you. to be said, you know, for 
you know, there are a lot of people who know people and, and or have, you know, worked and other things and keep building, but then they're not looking for the new thing or what's, or, or, or kind of like listening to their audience. What is it that mm-hmm. you want to, you know, that you want to hear or what, what would be a new way of, of doing things? And even like, for example, like kind of flying in the face of convention with the 20 minute, to me, that is an excellent part of the strategy because it, it, it really connects with like, you know, it is an interesting subject matter that you get in, but it's not, you know, um, any one of them in particular, you're not going to spend the rest of your life talking about it. But a 20 minute discussion of it, it's just really perfect. It, It does really work. And so I think a lot of times people get sidetracked because there's the allure of, hey, do it this way. This is how the other podcasts are working. They can get big sponsorships that can this can make it a little easier for you. So yeah. kind of standing your ground and keeping your show the way you conceived it is actually really hard to do. Maybe you, you know, underestimate that. I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, I, both of us definitely have a commitment to quality that that we are uh, very much, we very much believe in. And um, yeah, I think that that's, that's absolutely true. I think that the accessibility of creation at this point in our technological history, uh, the ease at which you can make something and put it out to the masses, is can be deceptively, um, it can lure you into a sense of of not caring, right? It, right. It's so easy <laughs> to make something. You can just make it and put it up and people either listen to it or they don't. But I think that both of us come from a... Uh, position of really wanting to make something that is high quality that sounds mm-hmm. professional and feels professional and and while it is um, it is you know two guys sitting in a room recording something it feels more like uh, a professional show and that's that's our goal right well a lot of clients ask me about strategy why should they have a podcast or why I have a podcast and there's obviously you know everybody has a, probably a little different take on it I'd like to hear your take but podcasts sometimes people see them as an actual lead into the market to be able to put their footprint down or you know a lot of times I'm helping a client develop a podcast because it's a part of their platform that we're trying to build and in in, in actuality it's a part of the platform we are building for ourselves at Little Bird Marketing we want a place to be able to speak from and showcase our expertise and in your case you are showcasing your expertise both of you go into this these comedic roles you have this you know impeccable timing of course you deliver dad jokes so you know there's there's that but you know even the voices you do i'm just laughing so hard with sometimes i mean there's something good there's a little tear coming down (laughs) like no you didn't you just did not do that but you know you're showcasing your expertise i guess my question is without making it sound like as if you're not enjoying what you're doing but do you see this this podcast as another platform like from which to jump beyond Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we love doing the show and we want to continue doing the show, but we definitely have visions for the, you know, we have concerns television show and we have visions for, you know, taking the show and, and, and building out, um, you know, much more reach for the show and, and a, a broader, broader platform overall. Mm-hmm. Um, that for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I liked, I, I was listening to something by Seth Godin, which, you know, I mean, we're not in the same industry. Seth Godin, I don't know if you know him or whatever, but such a great business, um, mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. mind. I'm serious. You would, you would love him. But, you know, he talks about like why one of the things about podcasting or blogging or anything like that, being able to put your voice out there, if you do have really great content, if you really can develop epic content, why wouldn't you like, and it was a great analogy he made for me. It was this 
Like, okay, so there's a hotel, there's a conference at a hotel and, and you've booked a room and 25 or 20,000 people are going to show up to hear you speak. Yeah. Would you show up? Right. Yeah, well, absolutely you would. I'm thinking I would show up for 25. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to show up for 20,000, but somewhere in between 25 and 20,000 is who's going to show up to your podcast if it's of any quality. Right. And is that of any worth to you, like showcasing what you do? And obviously, it comes out that you guys are, number one, great writers. Secondly, I think good you know, curators. You understand what's going to play out and what's just going to be a dud, um, which kind of makes me think, have you ever tried like to talk about something and just the end of the episode, you turn it off and go, uh, yeah, we're not sending that out. <laughs> just... Once or twice. Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> It's uh, not too rare, not too uh, common, but yeah. um, you know one thing that I say a lot when it comes to podcasting is that I think where the internet wins all the time mm-hmm. is there is no m- more intimate media than than a podcast. I agree, and, I and agree. you know people are quite literally putting you inside their ears. You know the way most people listen to podcasts is with objects that are inside their ear there is you cannot get physically closer to a person you know you nobody l- watches uh you know very very few people i should say watch any television show with it whispering to them in their ear and yet here we have uh, you know amateurs and professionals who can speak t- on such an intimate level to the people that listen to them and you know where the internet always wins is with authenticity mm-hmm. you know more more people that i meet who are fans of my shows uh, over the years will say that they feel like they're friends with me right uh, they say oh my god it's so weird meeting you i feel like i know you so well and you don't know me at all and i don't think people say that to ellen or david letterman or right. you know, any people that they bring into their homes every single night they, I don't think they have. There's still this wall, this barrier that exists on the television and other mediums. That even if even if you feel like you are, you know, very close and and a big fan of those people, I don't think it has, has the same connectivity that mm-hmm. putting someone, having them whisper just to you in your ear. I think that is, I think that is a much more profound experience. Oh, I I totally agree. And the other thing is, is that you you have to deal with that. I, I'd be interested in your thoughts when people walk up to you and say, you know, oh yeah, I, I know so much about you. I'm a, I'm a big fan. There is also a little bit of weirdness because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't remember what I say on my podcast and, <laughs> yeah. you know, they come back and say, oh, blah, 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 some really intimate thing, you know, that, that I was like, right. oh, I didn't, I didn't remember saying that or like before I just told you that, you know, I sang when beneath my wings at a, at someone's funeral. Well, right. well, which the story is crazier because the person was open casket and I had to stand right in front of this grandma. I mean, it was just crazy story, right? Well, I don't remember telling that story in a podcast and then I meet someone I've never met before and they're like, oh yeah, you know, that, that funeral you went to and I'm like, <laughs> it is such a weird, weird experience. But you must be used to it a lot more in that, you know, you're you you've been on so many other shows, you're on TV, you've done you you've done a lot of other things that people would have a different connect to you. Yeah, I mean I I, I enjoy that that mm-hmm. experience when somebody comes up and says, Oh, this must be weird for you. I, I know you and you don't know me. And I would say I I like that. It it, uh-huh. it encourages me that there are people out there that relate to me, that relate to my experience. I'm only talking from my personal experience. I'm just a guy, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing special about me. But 
did they did they connect to that and react to that and feel a, a, a closeness to that? That's I find that very encouraging about just the world in general. That yeah. there's a, there's a common level of experience that we can all relate to. Right. Um, so I I like that experience. I always tell people that doesn't make me feel weird. It makes me happy. Right. Well. Okay. So now I got another question for you. Do you ever listen back to your own episodes? Oh sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean I don't. Not yeah, not every single one, but yeah, we you know we quality control everything, so that's that's one listen. And sometimes you you go back and go, well, why are these people tweeting at me this funny thing? What did I say? And then you go back and listen to it. Go, oh yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mark it down. Yeah. Now, do you um, do you find yourself laughing at yourself? Probably only my friends are going to laugh <laughs> at this question I'm asking you, but I crack myself up. <laughs> hey, if you can't be your own biggest fan, who else is going to be your fan, well, right? this is my point, Jeff, is that I always tell people, <laughs> well, I wouldn't, you know, why would I say it if I didn't think it was funny? That would be rude. Right. So I, are, I think it's funny. So when I say, and, you know, sometimes when I listen um, to my episodes back, when they come back from the, the producer, I'm listening, and then I think, oh, it'd be so funny if I said, and then I say that. What I was thinking, and I'm like, oh, you're oh. like, ah, oh, it's like I'm in my own it's head. Like, it's like it's me. Oh, it is me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's kind of like where, like, that's the level of lame sometimes that I'm at with my podcast show. <laughs> I forget that it was actually me in it. So, well, I, I love this conversation. I'd love to talk with you more, but I've got to say, we've kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit on podcasting. It's really not that difficult. But I think you and I both come back. You said the word authenticity. I talk about that all the time. Be true. Be authentic. I say that about branding. Um, but just even about your own advice, speak about what you know. And I do yep. believe that authenticity, you know, wins out. Um, so yeah, it's I, the currency of the internet. Yeah. It really is. So I guess at this point, it's just up to my listeners to decide if this was really like sausage or if it was more enjoyable <laughs> than making sausage. Hopefully. Hopefully it was more like eating sausage. Oh, yeah. I love which to is eat very sausage. Enjoyable. Which, you know, yeah. You know, I grew up in Spain, so you'd think that I had seen a lot of sausage be made. Because let me tell you, those people eat a lot of sausage. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot. I so, that. No, no, that, that's not my problem. Um, so what would be your piece of advice? Think a little bit outside of where you live in terms of your industry and what what you're doing but do you have a piece of advice for someone who is starting a podcast what you know knowing yeah. now what what you know now you know if you could go back and maybe change it i don't know however you would word that i think it goes along the lines of what we've been talking about as far as authenticity i think my biggest advice is always that you know some people are like well what show should i make or or what what can i talk about that nobody else is talking about etc cetera, etc cetera. and i feel it's more like what do you have to talk about what right. what is it that you have a burning desire to talk about cuz i'm willing to bet that most people who are starting a podcast aren't going to be making any money from it and they're probably going to have very few listeners at least to start hopefully mm -hmm. hopefully you find great success uh, as you move forward but at least to start you need to do something that you are going to do anyway that you're not doing it for, for as a means to an end you're not doing it to get some sort of reward mm -hmm. you just have to express this right. and if you have to express this people are going to respond to it because we we are drawn to that level of human interaction and if you are just saying it because you think it fills a niche or it or you you're being strategic about it I find that to be much less compelling and ultimately won't be sustainable because you're not enjoying the process in and of itself and as long as you are enjoying the process and you would make this thing if no one was listening to it mm -hmm. or or just your mom was listening to it <laughs> uh, you know that I think that 
speaks volumes and will be much more listenable and much more enjoyable in the long run. So does your mom listen to your podcast? She does. She does. She doesn't listen to my video game show because that's a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. She's her, like, she, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's weird when your mom and your sister make a reference to something you said in, a, in an episode of your podcast and then you go back and go, how many cuss words did I use in that episode? Right. <laughs> what did my mom hear me say? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. there's a yeah. But, you know, I like Kristen Wheeler. Um, uh, she has this, uh, she's coined a phrase called native genius. And that goes along with what you're saying. The idea is like, yeah, it's authenticity, but it's a little bit more than that. It's not just being true to yourself. It's listening to what am I really good at in terms of these tiny little micro behaviors. Like, for example, no one does this just like I do it. Mm. And like how you said, it's like, what is the thing you can't not say? And to me, it's also that idea of um, if you were, you know, locked in a room, you know, with just a few people, where would the conversation go? What, what? what would you, what would just happen? What, what yeah. could you not, you know, you could, you couldn't make yourself not do it. And I agree. I, I think that's that same idea about content and creating epic content. Really. If you want to listen to it, kind of, we joke around about that. We like our jokes. You like your dad jokes. I like my, uh, <laughs> my, my non dad jokes, but you know, it is that authenticity, but I think it's a little bit deeper too. It's like, you know, you guys are also doing something beyond just content. You're also being true to the fact that, you know, you're actors, you've been, you've, you know, you, you've been on these shows in a way that you understand shows more than anyone yeah. else would. So, yeah, but I, you know, I, I've been very, it's been very difficult for me to identify, as you were talking, uh, identifying those things in yourself that you do that nobody else does. I have a, I have a very difficult time identifying that in myself in the abstract, you know, doing it sort of from an objective third person eye. Uh-huh. I, I have a hard time looking at myself and going, what do I do that's better than anybody else? But what I what I can do and what I do do is I know that if I read an article about the Fermi paradox, I want to talk about it. Right. And I want to talk about it to my friend Anthony, who knows a lot of stuff about this. And and I, I guess I have the presence of mind to say, hey, this is an interesting conversation that other people might want to listen to. Right. And you know, people often say, well, you know, what do you what do you and Anthony like when the microphone isn't rolling. And I'm like, you know what? Exactly the same. Most of the time, we are having the same kind of conversation. We just aren't recording it. And sometimes I go, man, we should have recorded that because that would have been an episode of our show. But we just were talking about, you know, last night's episode of Justified or whatever. Right. Um, So, you know, it, it really is trying to translate that thing that is something you have to say or you want to say or that you're super present in that moment because that's really what's happening Mm -hmm. and just making that accessible to an audience. I love it. Well, tell me where anybody can find you. Here's your shameless plug time because I just appreciate (laughs) you so much coming on my show. And, uh, you know, this is what my listeners want to know. They want a little behind the scenes of podcasting and you guys are very wildly successful in it. So uh, where can they find you? Oh, thanks. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, my show is called We Have Concerns. It's at wehaveconcerns.com. It's also on iTunes and Stitcher and all those other places. Uh, and I do a, a video game show called it's called DLC, and it's on 5x5. Five five. And I'm also on the Slash Filmcast at slashfilm.com. Okay. And I, and I want to thank you for supporting our show. So I, yeah. I really appreciate that. It's really, really generous and kind of you. Well, you make me feel, you know, like I said, like an Italian Renaissance lady. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you guys always say on your episode, if you like, uh, you know, if you like this episode, please don't rate the show. By all means, don't rate it. You know, put the stars on it, but please don't tell me. Yeah, no, don't, don't it. review it. There's don't no reason it. to review that's it. But give us five stars, but then just write whatever you want. <laughs> so we'd like for you to try out. We have concerns. I absolutely love it. 
that you really should become a concerned citizen. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear back from you from Ponderings on the Perch, what you would like to hear about in marketing and branding and authentic voicing and epic content, et cetera, et cetera. So tell us what you want to hear about next and we'll have another great guest on the show. So for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Podcast, this is Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.